Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra in on-trend hues like green, citron, and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Ladies and gentlemen, for tonight's entertainment, I present to you West Side Story. I will be playing all the parts. Like, it's an interesting share impression. Well, it's yeah, I kind of sound like maybe it's it's giving like some kind of. It's Sesame not giving share. <laughs> it's not giving uh, share. I will say that some kind of Sesame Street characters uh, in there. You know that I'm a musical theater girl, right? Like, uh, well, I'm okay. Let me clarify. I'm a reformed musical theater girl. <laughs> I think I also, I guess, self-identify as a well, maybe not a reformed musical theater girl, but a recovering musical. Theater recovering girl. is a good way to put it because it is a disease that we will be dealing with all of our lives. Yeah. So I guess it's appropriate that we are talking about the biggest movie musical of the moment. West Side Story. In fact, one of the most famous musicals of all time, dare we say. Yeah, and she is back in the conversation, back in the spotlight, thanks to the recent adaptation. And you, before seeing the new Spielberg film, had never seen West Side Story. I was a true virgin. I'm so excited to unpack that because this is Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Torado. And before we <laughs> decide if we're the sharks or the jets, <laughs> we're going to talk about today's pop culture. Amazing. Let me just pop half an Addy and we can get going. 
our news section today is mostly just what we have been watching on TV because I don't <laughs> yeah. know that in the current state of the world that either of us are doing much. No. Although you, you know, you newly are a toot toot beep beep girl. So I guess you've been, you know, zooming around town. Yeah. Zooming around town, making my way down to the car impoundment lot where my car got towed because. Oh my God. Uh, everyone. Mistake, that was my fault. So I showed up to Franz the other night. We were going. No, we, we... Yeah. Yeah. I showed up to Franz the other night because we were. I thought we were going to watch And Just Like That and a Marvel movie to prepare for our upcoming Marvel episode with Joel Kim Booster, but I got to Fran's apartment to have them say that their car had just been impounded. And then, yeah. and then I learned from you, Betrayer, that you had already watched And Just Like That. Um, <laughs> right, right. Well, the point is, we watched And Just Like That, and I felt like... Steve is really done dirty this season. Steve, what do you the, feel? Uh, David Eigenberg, the actor who plays Steve, should sue HBO for the literal character assassination they are pulling on Steve. Because, like, I get that these characters have aged and they are different people, yeah. but that is not Steve. That's not also, Steve. I was reading about how David actually has hearing loss in real life, and that's why they decided to write it into the character. But the way they're writing it is offensive, and it doesn't contribute anything at all. It's honestly, like, not even his hearing that is, I think, the problem with how he's being portrayed. Like, him turning up at the farmer's market and being like, oh, I forgot my wallet um, at the pickle stand or whatever. It's (laughs) just so... Not the Steve that we knew. And it feels like a betrayal of all of the time we put into that relationship. And, and like, all the time we've spent being horny for Steve. Steve is Steve so hot. And Steve us. was always really good to Miranda. And always. the first movie is about him cheating on her and like them deciding to like stay in their marriage. And I think, like, one of the hallmarks of their relationship is they've always had really good sex. And, I mean, I think the scene where they tried to fuck in the kitchen, like, was actually kind of good. It was a great scene. It was a great scene. Um, someone I follow on TikTok was saying, you can't watch And Just Like That as if it is a reboot of Sex in the City. You have to watch it as if it is a show with completely new characters who you have no context for and just like take it at face value and it will vastly improve your enjoyment of watching it. And I think that might be how I need to start approaching and just like that. I do. I do not know if I would be invested in a lot of these characters if they weren't connected to a cinematic universe that I was already in love with. I, I, I think that honestly, it feels like I'm watching Are You the One season eight again. And I feel like what is happening here is Shay Diaz is the one that Miranda thinks she's in love with, thinks is like the because, best partner for her. Because she's doing weed. Yes, because she's doing so much weed what? for the first time in her life. I need to know. <laughs> What I've done strain, so much weed. What strain of weed is JTS smoking? Because JTS is smoking a hundred percent THC count sativa. Because just, like almost in the same way that JTS is like a caricature of a queer non-binary podcaster, the caricature of like a stoner, which is I thought we were done with that and like weed doesn't do that to you. Any of the behaviors that Miranda and Shay are like exhibiting. 
cannot be explained away by being too stoned. Yeah, don't use weed as an excuse for your shortcomings, especially when it's such a lazy writing thing. Yeah, especially people that say, you know, they didn't finish a Marvel movie because they were too stoned. Oh, they fell asleep during Twilight because they were too stoned. Like, grow up, right? Yeah, maybe you, know you should mean? maybe you should look in the mirror, Frangela. <laughs> I know. I have to say, the biggest thing on my mind is yellow jackets. I must tell the virgins that I did watch the entire series in the week since we last spoke. Thank God, I'm so happy. Top line finale. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed. Extre- I was extremely disappointed. To me, it was not a finale at all. The way I've been trying to think about it is. I guess this isn't the kind of show we were all saying it was because everyone, especially the people who have been watching it week to week, a huge part of the online discourse about it has been theorizing what was going to happen Mm -hmm. and like, you know, what's the symbol and is Jackie alive and like who killed Travis and like all like theorizing a lot of questions a, a lot, lot of, of questions, questions a lot of mysteries and i think we were all expecting the finale was going to answer those questions and it really didn't the only question it answered is like how Jackie died which was sorry lame because when i so i didn't hear like your conspiracy theories i legitimately didn't listen to that part of our podcast but like we did talk a little bit about what we could think could happen in the finale and what i said to you is i was like when you were like, Jackie's not dead, I was like, I think it it might be something worse than death. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, the way she did die is kind of that, but it was very anticlimactic. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is like, I think we're looking at the show the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's not a show that's concerned with setting up big mysteries and then answering them. Yeah, giving it's you the really, it's really it's Yeah, it's not a whodunit. It's like a character study of these traumatized, fucked up women. And I think it like instead of going for the plot satisfaction of answering all those questions, it gave us the like emotional, quote unquote, satisfaction of that really like gut wrenching moment when Shauna finds Jackie buried in the snow. And it is choosing character over like some kind of twisty thriller whodunit. And, like, I do understand that at the same time. Like, I don't think that's the ending that they were setting up throughout the season. And that's why it feels disappointing. Yeah. So I just think, like, there could have been a more satisfying wrap-up. I did like some things. Yeah. Like, I thought Tice's wife finding her, like, altar with the dog head was, like, really Ugh. good. And, like, I think a lot of us called, like, weeks ago that she definitely she killed, killed the, the dog. dog. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, like, does that mean she was part of the cult on the island? Who kidnapped Natalie? I guess Lottie, like, is going to be a bigger character than maybe some of us expected. I felt like right away from the beginning that Lottie was going to be like the deer head leader or be like this kind of quasi cult leader that creates a division in the island. Sorry, not on an island. It's I keep thinking it's lost, but like this, this is going to be seasons of them stuck in the wilderness. Okay. Like what do you think is going to happen next season? I think that the people that captured Natalie are Yellow Jackets conspiracy theorists. Like they're people mm, that are obsessed that are obsessed with 
the lore and mythology surrounding the Yellow Jackets girls because it's like a haunted thing that happened in this town. And so I think these like haunted conspiracy theorists have been at play in killing Travis in like the symbols that it keep like popping up everywhere. I think it's just an entity that is going to be part of like the villainy of season two that was never in season one. Interesting. What do you think? I kind of feel like we're going to find out that Lottie also survived and, mm. you know, because she's extremely wealthy, like runs some kind of like shadowy organization and is still doing all the like weird ritual stuff back on the mainland. You know, I think that the, the idea of her orchestrating all of this is like, that is so spot on. It makes complete sense. I love. We'll see. And like, what 90s icon actress is going to play older Lottie? Yeah. Especially now that the show is a hit. Like, they have to get someone that is on the Christina Ricci level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. Um, virgins, you should give us your picks for older Lottie. Who's, who's your pick for older Lottie and why is it Dakota Johnson? Dakota Johnson's not old enough. <laughs> I completely disagree. I think she she's could not play in old. her 40s or 50s. I think she could be 40s or 50s if she wanted to. But she's she not. Could, I don't think, think she, she fits like the, the bill of like. I think they need another iconic 90s actress like Christina Ricci. Okay, so Liv Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Never not talking about Liv Tyler. Be amazing. I'm just thinking of Burnett's. Um, I mean, Winona Ryder has already been used in a show like this, so that wouldn't really make sense. Who else is of that like kind of kitschy, like late 90s, like weird girl core, Heather's era? Let's get Nev Campbell in it. Nev Campbell, but Nev Campbell looks too much like Juliette Feruza Lewis. Feruza from The Craft. Honestly, no offense, but like Juliette like Lewis kind of looks like Nev Campbell. If like Nev Campbell, like, I don't know, was like shrunken a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I am aware that you still haven't watched Euphoria. Which is, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve my commentary because I'm gathering energy from you that you are maybe actually going to watch yeah, it sometime Yeah, I am soon. going to watch it at some point. I'm just not in a rush to watch it. Yes. You know what I am watching on HBO that I don't think you're watching is the final uh-huh. season of Search Party. Oh, I, I actually watched the first three episodes. So oh, what do you, what did you think? Um, when I think about end-of-the-world satires and millennial commentary satires, I think that Search Party is, like, the most successful one I can think of. I think that this season is a really huge swing and a complete departure in genre and even subject matter in a way that I appreciate, but I'm kind of having a harder time getting through it because it is so off the rails. But there's nothing that I'm disliking per se especially when it comes to like commentary about social media cults which yeah is i mean always that's, relevant. that's the part of search party that i really like is how just when you think like these characters have made the worst decisions they possibly could they're able mm-hmm. to take that to the next level i love the idea of dory as like a cult leader figure because like one of the things this the show has hit over and over again is like her extreme narcissism Mm -hmm. and the level to which it like has become harmful to like her and others. So it makes total sense that there would be people in the world who would find that narcissism incredibly appealing. Yeah. Cause that's how cults work. It is. And it's, it's funny how 
the narcissism of each individual character creates these little swirls of like problems yeah and conflict. like i love the little demonic child, child. <laughs> um it's, gi- it's giving Julio Torres. it's giving orphan <laughs> yeah. which did you know that there's a sequel to orphan coming out called orphan first kill I'm never going to see either of those movies. Okay, so well, I, that's disappointing because Orphan I, is one of the best films ever made. Not to blow up your spot, but I do, am aware also that you are watching a season of Drag Race right now. Yeah, well, and, I, I have been watching the new season and I guess I was just like in the mood to like binge something mindlessly that I could be on my phone during for most of it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm watching Drag Race UK season two. I've also already forgotten every queen from the second episode of us 14 Um, that's fine i can help you run them down there was maddie morphosis oh uh, yeah the straight okay i'm gonna give i'm gonna give a controversial opinion you thought she was good I didn't think she was bad, and I also like she wasn't bad. I also no. like didn't really have an issue with her being on it. Okay, because so here's because okay. let me let me like give an explanation why I think it's like it's weird when you consider the framing of her as a straight man and like the fact that they keep bringing it up, and I wonder if that's more a production thing than it's a her thing because. I just, like, obviously I'm not going to, like, ascribe any kind of identity to her, but I feel like if you are doing that level of, like, gender fuckery, even if you still, like, have heterosexual sex or, like, sex with, you know, the opposite gender or whatever, you must identify as, like, a little bit queer, that's why it's like hard to watch because as much as I want to believe that Maddie really is truly heterosexual, I just don't understand the appeal of her art form if you aren't as, as just as you said, at least a little bit queer, which is why I loved that Rue right from the jump kind of dragged her a little bit, like exposed her in the workroom immediately knowing full well that these girls we're going to be like, what the fuck? Well, that's why and I then, think it's a production thing because like, yeah, it is. I'm not saying we shouldn't like gatekeep queer art f- to straight people, but it was such a conversation when the casting was announced. And <sighs> I just think it's like a lot more benign than it is like being kind of made out to be in the discourse. Yeah, as much as I hope that one of the girls will come for Maddie in the way that we all want to come for Maddie, I don't think any of them are going to be that girl. But in Untucked, when Maddie's trying to describe all these things about being a straight person in drag, you can see just the light leaving all of their eyes. Like, all of them, like, nodding and smiling, trying to be, like, (laughs) encouraging, be like, yeah, girl, you're a great ally. We're proud of you. Like, you can tell a lot of these girls have things that they're thinking that they're not going to say because they're on reality television. We should have been. We should have spent this time talking about not Maddie Morphosis, but Angeria. Oh, queen. she was amazing. I did. I She's did gonna, really it's like. It's gonna her. be Angeria versus Cornbread in the final two. I thought Georgius was so fun to watch. Like high energy performance. Yeah, you know who I was confused by was Lady Camden because, like, I feel like <laughs> that's the equivalent of someone being like. I live in London, but I was born in New York City, and my name is Lady St. Mark's, you know? Yeah. Something like that. It's like, it's just stupid. I mean, not to gatekeep, but like, I was like, you're not, I mean, you're American, but you're not, it was confusing. It's like, my name's Lady Times Square. 
Uh, yeah. In a, yeah exactly. I'm Lady in a, Universal Studios City Walk. <laughs> I'm Lady Margaritaville. Oh my God. Lady Cheesecake Factory. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like... Meh. Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay, so I was like pretty ambivalent about even seeing the West Side Story remake. I yeah. thought you were a little excited. I, I, a little, but not, I think, the level I 
would have liked to be, considering the fact that I love the original so much. Mm. I didn't know what could be improved upon. Okay. Besi- I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff about the original West Side Story that's bad uh-huh. through the lens of today. But it's such an amazing film. Yeah. And it just felt like a weird retreading. But, like, generally, I did like the movie. You went in with no... Totally cold. Totally cold. In the hands of Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner, were you like, this is, like, I trust this? Or were you immediately, like, have it, have it feel a type of way about either of them? Um, Spielberg felt like a weird person to be doing it. Because yeah. I'm like... I guess his career is so weird to me. Yeah. Like, he comes out every couple years with, like, what seemed to be very, like, narratively disconnected movies to me. Like, E.T. to AI to West Side Story. Also, he did Rogue Player One, right? That was him. Shutter Island. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) <laughs> what is he what is he making movies about besides he, just making like big spectacle blockbusters that come out on Christmas? He famously or not famously, he did say in interviews that he had been wanting to make West Side Story since he was ten. Which Gay. I was just about to say. I was <laughs> sorry, sorry to say it. Um but maybe Tony Kushner had inducted him into the faggotry that is this musical because it was concepted by four, you know, affluent white Jewish gays. Anyways. What were you expecting going into it, like, knowing kind of nothing about the musical? You know, I my full, pretty much my full context of the musical came from that one time that Cher played all the parts. Do, do you know what I Yes, mean? I know it well. I did actually learn quite a lot from that performance of it. Like, it kind of top lines the plot, which is, for the virgins, I guess, an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, but it's kind of like whites versus Puerto Ricans. Uh, as these two like street gangs, these a white and a Puerto Rican sh- street gang, the Sharks and the Jets, and two of the characters fall in love, and that creates the Romeo Juliet Capulet versus Montague kind of scenario. Yeah, if you have never seen West Side Story or Romeo and Juliet, like that is the <laughs> the basis of it. It is star-crossed lovers who can't be together because their families hate each other, right? And then. One and then there is death at the end. Right. Death to all of them. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. And you know, my literally kind of everyone dies. Yeah. I mean, that's Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare was kind of the George R. R. Martin of his time. He just loved to kill everyone's I favorite. I hate that comparison. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being facetious. It's just that George R. R. Martin loves to kill your favorite character. He was the MCU of <laughs> his time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Shakespeare even existed. I yeah. I wonder if Shakespeare I mean Shakespeare didn't really create a cinematic universe, did he? He he didn't really loop any of the, <laughs> the S the S T U, oh. the Shakespeare theatrical universe. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I, I, we'll get we'll get back to Shakespeare, but yeah. um <laughs> anyways, I, So I have I have a long history with West Side Story okay, that break you don't me. have. Um weirdly enough. West Side Story is, like, inextricably linked to the Rocky Horror Picture Show for me. Mm, okay. Because I had the VHS of both of them when I was a kid. And it was, like, when I was, fo- like, trying to fall asleep every night when I was in middle school, I would put on either West Side Story or Rocky Horror Picture Show, and that was what would lull me to sleep. And it was, like, one night to the other, it was either of those. So I have a lot of love for the original, even though I know it's, like, very problematic, like, the brown face and, 
It, it is what it is. It is what it is. And Natalie and Natalie Wood isn't singing. Yeah. Um. So I guess like I understood why why you can make the argument for the need for a new version of West Side Story. But I guess like to me the thing was like okay if we're gonna do a new one why do it in the most obvious way as like a big budget Steven Spielberg movie? Like yeah. do something a little more interesting because in recent years there have been like, there was um, a Broadway revival of it or like an off Broadway revival that was pretty popular. Although there was like something problematic with it. Like someone in the cast had like, was maybe like, a sexual assaulter. And then that this happened wasn't to the Lynn Manuel Miranda one, was it? No. And then that happened again in the movie because yeah. of Ansel Elgort, who Oh right, yeah. Who was had, amazing. <laughs> who, was he though? Ha, he had a beautiful singing voice. I, I thought he Yeah, his, he sounded pretty good. His voice was gore. I mean, coming off of Encanto, <laughs> I was like, wow, these are some pipes. Anyways. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the movie. Let's okay. talk about, you know, what what did you like? What did you get from it? I actually quickly have to we're, while we're talking about like context for West Side Story, this is relevant. My mom played Anita in her high school production of West Side Story. Like work. Yeah, way back when. But growing up, my mom told us all that she was Maria because I think she was like ashamed to be like this kind of ravishing Puerto Ricanio kind of character. Or maybe she just wanted you to think she got the lead. Because, well, well, no, I mean, the, the other thing is my mom... But well, Anita's the better role. My mom... I, Anita has the best song. I agree with you. However, America? My, my mom... This is honestly reintroducing my mother and as a character in, on this podcast. My mom was ashamed of what was a stereotypical kind of, like, feisty, sexy sure. Puerto Rican woman. And Anita, in the OG, not so much in the, the new adaptation, but in the OG, she's supposed to be kind of like a... Almost like a bimbo... She's supposed to be very, you know, so, uh, like kind of saucy. Um, I don't I know. Feel. I think the way that she's written is pretty, like, Anita gets, Anita knows what's up. She's the one who, like, clocks Maria instantly. Right. Um, well, anyways, my mom was also the lead in her high school rendition of uh, Grease, and she was Rizzo, but she told all of us that she was Sandy. Who also is a slut at the end. But my mom literally... Okay, I, I think this is your mom wanting to rewrite history and saying she got the lead role in all these musicals. It's not about being the lead. It's about being embarrassed that she was cast as a slut twice but again, But again, also in Greece, Rizzo is the best character. It, again. And has the best song. It, it has nothing to... It, it has everything to do with my mom's shame. And therefore our shame. But my mom didn't tell us until I was like... A late teenager. Does your mom have Vanessa Hudgens energy? Because Vanessa (laughs) Hudgens famously played Rizzo in Grease Live. Oh, right. Did she actually ever... Did Grease Live actually go... Grease Live was actually very good. Was it the best of those... I I think it's the best of the live musicals that I've Mm. seen. And she... Vanessa Hudgens famously um, did it the day after her dad died. Oh, my God. Or no, her dad died that day. That's, and she still went on. Well, as Vanessa Hudgens did once say, people are going to die. So I actually did love the new version, the Disney version, which I didn't even know was Disney Okay, what did you love theater. about it? Um, there were just multiple moments where the cinema 
combined with like the performances and hearing the music for the first time in that capacity, like hearing it all together, which I had never experienced before, I think was just, there were moments that just left me literally breathless. Like I, I thought that so many elements of like the songs and how these characters like came together were really beautiful. I thought that kind of the attention to try and update some of West Side Story and inject like a little more quote unquote authenticity into the narrative. I, despite critics, I actually felt like a lot of those moments were successful. Do I think that the show is an overall authentic portrayal of Puerto Ricans? No, not at all. Um, but I do think the things that they tried to improve um, were like pretty good. Did you notice any of the things that they like tried to update by chance? I, I think I was mostly focused on the ways they tried to modernize it in terms of the romance of it. Okay, so which, like what? Well, you know, the, I think they try to make the case for why Tony and Maria, like, are so in love. That's why they have them go on that date to the cloisters. Mm, but right. it's like, I don't know, I, I saw this movie on Christmas with my best friend Ryan, and he made this point, which is that the melodrama of West Side Story and, like, the Shakespearean aspect of it is what lets you excuse the fact that the day after Maria meets this boy, she fucks him after he kills her brother. Yeah. And, like, it's only through, like, the grandiosity and, like, suspension of disbelief that you allow yourself to be okay with that as an audience member. And in this movie, with them trying to make it more realistic, it's harder to sell that because it, it... it is attempting to be more grounded. And because of that, I'm like, why did she just fuck him after he told her he killed her brother? Yeah, there's just no real way to, like, honestly, this is, we're giving notes to Shakespeare at this point. Let, let me, like, I feel. No, I think this isn't, no, because Shakespeare really? does it right. Because I you believe it in Shakespeare, but in this movie that's trying to be realistic, I don't believe it. I also just, like, didn't I didn't think they had good chemistry. I didn't believe their love story. I, okay, a few things here. I didn't, so original Shakespeare doesn't sell me on that that romance. So that's where I'm coming from. I, I do love, like, we'll get into, like, other adaptations, Romeo plus Juliet, et cetera. I think that there are versions of Romeo and Juliet that, like, I love. However, I do think that it's it's a really tough source material to modernize in terms of, like, emotional honesty like emotional coherency to to pull off just as you said i fucked this guy that killed my brother one day ago you know what i mean and that now we're married it's a lot and i honestly feel like so i watched it with our friend justin my one of my best friends and he lit was a true 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 version i at least had like some context of the of the show justin knew nothing about west side story and so the gymnasium scene like the the school dance which i think is actually the best scene in the new remake the second maria and tony like start to fall in love justin turns to me and he's like no (laughs) he like had no idea and he was like wait, this is bad. Like, and I was like, yeah, dog. Like, that's the conceit of the whole... Yeah, dog. Yeah, I said, yeah, dog. That's, like, the conceit of the whole thing. It was... um. So, see, watching him digest it was really entertaining. And when we left the theater, the, the first thing he said was, it's kind of crazy that 
he killed her brother and she still wanted to be with him in the end. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think that's, you know, an issue with the Shakespeare. And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, it's an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. And so I felt like that was a testament actually to what what is really difficult to pull off, which is that if for some reason someone going into it doesn't know that it's an adaptation of Shakespeare, which I think, Justin, is a very rare <laughs> case of that, it is actually really confusing to watch, don't you think? Like, if you were watching it without yeah, knowing that I it was th- an adaptation. I think so, like, because you... I think if you went in totally blind, you would not understand a single choice that's being made yeah, on the screen. Exactly. Okay, there are things I did like about it. Though. Okay, so what? It looked nice, I guess. <laughs> um, You're like muscling through, giving, trying to give Tony Kushner a compliment. Ariana DeBose was amazing. Yeah, um, stand out. She is incredible. She and needs I thought, the nom. And I thought she brought life to this character and Anita is my favorite character in West Side Story for sure and has America was always my favorite number from the show growing up and I thought that was done so well um I thought Rachel Ziegler was good she's you know has a very pretty voice I thought the show in general was kind mm-hmm. of perfectly near perfectly cast I think some people are mad that like it wasn't all Puerto Ricans, like Rachel Ziegler's Colombian. Not everyone in the cast was Puerto Rican, but like I felt like everyone was great. Even um, Bernardo was great. Um, the so guy good. who's the other, the leader of the Jets. Yeah, he and I mean he and Bernardo should have kissed. They should have. The, the vibe was there. Oh, and Rita Moreno. Oh my God, Obviously. amazing. Rita gave me the hardest cries I felt throughout the. Rita. I did not. Okay, here's the thing. I did not feel one single emotion throughout the entire thing. Didn't cry. Mm. It didn't... It was nice. It did not move me. Mm. And West Side Story should move you. Yeah, it should. I felt nothing. I had to pee. That was all I felt. Really? By the end, yeah. My emotional response to it was like... I think in large part because I had never seen it before. When I left the theater, that's when I started to digest more and more what I watch and and feel like less enthusiastic about it as just like a, a cultural object. Like I, I there are a lot of things that I didn't like. But I think it starts with like the things that they tried to fix, which I think are valiant efforts, still didn't really sail for me. Like like the this Tony coming back to his best friend Riff and like Rita Moreno's like I guess like his like kind of mentor or whatever. There's this, like, thin critique of the carceral system going on, like, that Tony's, like, back from jail, and he doesn't want to go, you know, back into the doghouse. You know what was a good number was Officer Krupke. So, (laughs) you liked all of Officer Krupke. Yeah, I liked the group numbers. I, I did think the choreography could have been better. I agree. I I don't think they wanted to, like, dress up, you know, Jerome Robbins too much. Like, I feel like they just wanted to you know, keep it to what it was supposed to be. But I agree with you. I felt like, to me, the gymnasium scene was a lot. But Officer Krupke specifically, which had high involvement of the new edition of this trans character, which we should talk about, I thought was, like, kind of fine. It's interesting to me that, like, in the original, Officer Krupke is kind of this, like, what's what's so funny? I'm just thinking about the trans thing now. It's just... (laughs) So funny. <laughs> Why is it funny to you? I just like I had no idea that was a, a thing going into it. Uh-huh. Um, Wait, and you I'm did so, it? No, and I'm shocked like that I wasn't more aware of it, that it wasn't like a conversation and that there wasn't like someone on Twitter like, not my West Side story or like <laughs> yeah. whatever. But I think that's kind of 
a testament to how benign it really was. Like, it really is, like, I think I would, it, it feels like lip service. And I feel a type of way of, it, way of it because there were so many articles and so many press releases about the new edition of the trans character to West Side Story and, like, all these I articles. I didn't see a single one. And well, you know what? I saw a lot. That makes me feel really happy about the state <laughs> that my algorithm is in. Yeah, That it knows too. I don't want no discourse. But for those of you that don't know, there's a character in the OG West Side Story called Anybody's, who I don't think, I don't think their name is ever even mentioned in the original. But anyways, it's this girl, quote unquote, in the original that wants to be a part of the boy gang. And in the new version, they basically make him a trans guy who is trying to affirm his gender by being a part of this gang. <laughs> um, but in Officer Krupke specifically, he kind of like, you know, plays around the, with the guys. There's a moment where someone like he's trying to correct someone, like basically calling him a girl. And I was like, this is all very interesting. And then they sing Officer Krupke and still include it, even though a lot of lyrics were edited in the adaptation, but they didn't take out the transphobic lyric in this song. Did you notice that? No. There's a transphobic lyric where they say, my sister wears a mustache, my brother wears a dress. And how it's like a big, it's like a, the reason their family is fucked up and they're all mm. fucked up. And I was like... The trans person is literally in this scene, and you had the foresight to edit these other problematic, like, lyrics, but not this one. Where did the trans character come from? Like, <laughs> was Stephen Sondheim, like, we have to make this character trans, or was someone, like, we have to put a trans character in that? Was it Tony Kushner? I think Stephen, Stephen Sondheim and Tony Kushner were on one because they swooped in and they were like, whoa, this is already extremely problematic, but it's, like, totally our dream to make this musical, so let's do it in, like, the wokest way possible. That's kind of what it felt like. And I think the trans character is a, is a Kushner edition. It was. I think I he do wanted think, to nuance it. I do think, like, it... They took Che Diaz's woke no, button no. and like applied it meow, to meow, this meow. musical. The woke moment. Um, hey, it's Che Diaz. <laughs> but I don't think the trans character was actually like unearned. Like, if you look at the source material, that no, I, I think did, it makes I complete sense. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it makes it complete was sense. Just, it was just a weird choice. Yeah, but there are other things. It's like you know, there's a moment where all of the sharks sing the version of, like, the Puerto Rican anthem that's, like, the revolutionary version. It's, like, the pre-kind of updated version where they talk about, like, taking out their machetes and how they want... It's about, like, overthrowing the government, kind of. And so the fact that they inserted that was, like, a pretty big, like, wink. Like, they hired a lot... They obviously hired, like, a lot of consultants under this project. Rita Moreno was also an EP, and I think that given her history, like, she's so consistently vocal about things that bothered her and about West Side Story in general that I am sure that she probably had heavy insight into how the adaptation was created. I liked that they, what they did with Doc as a character, making it Rita, having her sing somewhere, um, and, like, her being the one that, like, rescues Anita from her assault, yeah. which is, you know, a tough scene to watch, but... Again, Ariana DeBose, like, so good. Oh, Sirs. my God. I'm, I'm just, like, so excited for her and her career. And, like, she had such a great year last year between this and Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. For the, okay, so for the virgins that don't know, the Doc character in West Side Story is basically, like, the apothecary guy in Romeo and Juliet who bestows the poison 
to both of them, question mm-hmm. mark. And they're like, hey, here, here, teens, have this, like, elixir so you can have your suicide pact. Like, this is going to be, like, that's literally his whole role. So I guess in the updated version, it's just, like, you know, a, a quack doctor just giving out prescriptions. Um, well, not actually. But it should have. Maybe That, to me, is, like, what you said earlier about how they didn't take it far enough. I totally agree. Like, I feel like if they're going to do it, like, it should be or could have been, like, much more radically reimagined. Like, almost the way that Romeo plus Juliet did it, which is one of your favorite movies. Oh, absolutely. I I love Shakespeare. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. I'm a Shakespeare girl. When I was in fifth grade, I found the complete works of William Shakespeare on my dad's bookcase oh. and just, like, read it. No. Like, read the whole thing. Nerd. Um. And I have loved Shakespeare ever since, and, like, that came out, like, around that age. And I've always been obsessed with Shakespeare. Juliet is my middle name that I did pick for myself. (laughs) Which is Um, beautiful. Yeah, it's a little corny, but whatever. Um, Yeah, I love, love Shakespeare. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? It is, I think we have this same one. I think it's it's Midsummer. Midsummer Night's Dream. Followed closely maybe by Winter's Tale. Mine is followed closely by The Tempest. Love The Tempest. I think The Tempest is a little boring. I think it's like his weirdest play, Mm. which is why I really like it. Mm. And his last play, which is also a reason that I love it. Shakespeare works in multiple genres. It's like romance, comedy, tragedy. Comedies, tragedies, histories. Comedies, histories, tragedies, and problem plays. <laughs> mm. The ones that he, like, didn't finish, I guess. And or also, the ones that don't fit into... Yeah. Or the whoever Shakespeare was. Although, you know, because there's all those theories about, like, right. was Shakespeare real? Like, was it written by a woman? Are there many Shakespeare's? Right, right, right. Shakespeare in love. Um, right. <laughs> I do love Shakespeare in love. I, I watched it kind of recently. I haven't watched it in ages. I would love to watch it for Goop. And Goop alone. <laughs> Is that what you call Gwyneth? You yeah, just call her Goop? She goes by Goop. That's she's, her nickname. She's good in it. It's just like, she should not have won an Oscar for it. She won an Oscar? She that won was, Best Actress That must have that. been a slow year. No, it was because Harvey Weinstein campaigned really hard for it. Ew. Yeah. That makes sense, though. I mean, corruption will always win. Um. What? Okay, so what's your favorite Shakespeare adaptation? I mean, I think it's the same as you. I think it's it's Romeo plus Juliet. Or she's the man. I was just about to say, follow closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the man, I think. Which is, is an adaptation of Twelfth Night. Yes, famously. Um, I mean, Shakespeare, like, Shakespeare is so gay. There's always cross-dressing. There's the implicit gayness of the cross-dressing on stage. Right. Because... If I don't know if you, if you skipped history um, at the time that Shakespeare plays were you know being produced while he was alive, women were not allowed to be in the theater. Right, right, right. That's um, why so all the women were this. played by men. Shakespeare is very gay. Well, that's why Shakespeare wrote it. It's like he was trying to fulfill his like you know fantasy of like men kissing by having these men play women on stage. He's basically like a medieval version of when you make your two Kendall's kiss. kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Do you like Macbeth? No. Have you watched are you do you plan to watch the tragedy of Macbeth? Um probably not because they use the OG dialogue, right? I think that that 
I, um, ADHD kid, had a really hard time with the original dialogue. I think with Romeo plus Juliet, it's all imagistic to me. Like, I, I, I retain, like, the world building that Baz Luhrmann does, but, like, not a lot of what they're saying. Oh, but I think that's one of the things that works so well about Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is that it's the juxtaposition of the Shakespearean language with the contemporary imagery and, like, what he did so well was make that language feel authentic yeah. to the action that was happening. Yeah. And, like, it's not restrictive. It doesn't keep you from understanding what's going on. As I, And I think it's all – it's, like, in the direction. It's in the way it's performed. Really, Shakespeare was, like, what made me fall in love with language. Like, in addition to his plays, I really loved his sonnets. You know, I took a lot – I did a lot of – Shakespeare when I was, like, you know, a theater kid, obviously. His gay, Um, gay sonnets. If I had stuck closer to theater in college, I maybe would have, like, gone a Shakespearean route. Oh, like made it, like, a a primary study? Yeah, maybe. Mm. I took a lot of Shakespeare classes in college. Yeah, I just, I love the bard. What can I say? I agree with you on the Baz Luhrmann movie. I I think that, like, the, the way that they, the performances who work, like, helps you understand the dialogue in a really beautiful I thought it was totally successful. It's definitely my favorite. And that scene adaptation. where they that scene where they see each other for the first time and um through the fish tank oh, is so perfect. And like Leo is so beautiful in it. Claire Danes is so beautiful in it. Yeah. They're both they look they are the cutest lesbian couple ever. They really are. Oh, speaking of, back to She's the Man. Did you know that Amanda, Amanda Bi- Bynes is some of her best work. It actually, I'm not, you're saying it with a facetious No, no, I'm grand. being serious. <laughs> yes, we are being, I need the virgins to hear that we are actually being completely genuine. That is Amanda Bynes' magnum opus. Not just because of her performance, it's, because of their it's performance. What a, it's what a girl wants. She's the man. What a girl and that's it. I, wa- I watched, <laughs> And Hairspray. <laughs> I used to watch What a Girl Wants, the TV show, every day after school. I, I used to, no, wait, do you mean... The show that she was in with, oh right, it's um, um about what I like about you. What I like about what you. What I like about you. Oh, I thought they were for some reason the same story. No, they, no. they spin off into a TV show. I had no, no it's idea. A totally different thing. Oh, had no idea. I was gonna say, did you know that she's the man? Is the movie that Amanda Bynes used to platform and create Channing Tatum's career? No. Okay, so this is a really good little so, tidbit. So that's why we have Channing Tatum. Literally. So Amanda Bynes talked about this in an interview, but when she was working on She's the Man, she was obviously like one of the most famous people on the planet. She was like so prolific. She was making so many movies. She was so beloved amongst generations that she had so much power. When she was cast in this movie, the romantic lead hadn't been cast yet. At this point, Channing Tatum has had a few cameos in, like, little movies. He was on, the famously, the cover of Out Magazine as, like, a model wrestling one of these other fags. Did you, have you seen that vintage Out Magazine Probably model? Probably. And so point. he's literally pretty much undiscovered. And they didn't want to cast Channing Tatum. And Amanda said, no, no, no. They Everyone's going to fall in love with this guy. Like, trust me. And they were issue about she it. she was right. But she had so much power at the time. They were like, we're going to do what Amanda wants. We're going to cast Channing Tatum. And then his career was born. Another thing about Amanda Bynes and She's the Man. So there's this TikToker, Hello Teffy, who does these really great series that are like deep dives into pop culture. I would love to have her on at some point. Um, and she did a series on Amanda Bynes recently and, and was talking about how Amanda Bynes 
was made incredibly dysphoric by watching She's the Man. Yeah. And it would like kickstarted a lot of her body image issues. Like I remember this. watching herself on screen as a boy. Ugh. Um I'm just still actually really sad about the unraveling of Amanda Mines. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like... Meh. Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Do you like the song I Feel Pretty? I do. Okay. 
So this is a very contentious song in, like, the history and criticism of West Side Story. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Okay, so this has, like, a Sondheim connect. But, like, do you know how they created West Side Story? No. Okay, so the four white fags that created West Side Story, Arthur Lawrence, Leonard Bernstein, Jerome Robbins, and, like, Sondheim in his first ever project, they all set out to write something that was about Jewish discrimination, but they had been sorting through the story. They were basically trying to break the story. They were, like, you know, a bunch of bros in, like, California trying to, like, you know, make this musical happen, but they couldn't crack what kind of the heart of the show would be. And they've pulled up, like, a completely random newspaper article in, like, a Los Angeles newspaper about a Latin gang fight in San Bernardino that had happened, like, the day before or whatever. And um, basically, this is the same time as La Gran Migración, which is, like, when all these, like, Puerto Rican migrants, like, hundreds of thousands of them moved to America and primarily to New York, creating, like, New Yorkans. And so there was, like, this public weariness of, like, too many Puerto Ricans in America or whatever. So all these stories about Latin gang fights were hitting the newspapers. And these four guys found one of those, like, newspaper articles. And they were like, wait, this, like, Latin gang fight thing is, like, kind of a, this is kind of a story. Like, this is a thing. And, like, in, like, the kind of, I guess, biography of Leonard Bernstein, they talk about how when they came across this news article, they were like, oh, making it about these teen gangs is going to make it much more timely. And Leonard Bernstein literally said the whole Puerto Rican thing had begun to explode. And, like, the biographer even said, like, if they hadn't found this news article, he doesn't think the musical ever would have been written, which is crazy. So it says a lot to how the show was concepted that a lot of the characters sing in these very operatic like, kind of aristocratic ways. And I Feel Pretty was specifically one of those songs that people would take issue with because they were like, these are a bunch of Puerto Rican women singing like white women. And what is that? But I feel, I guess I always felt like that was kind of the point of I Feel Pretty. Like, it's it's like, um, it's like a pantomime in a way. And I do think, like, they, that's kind of how they approached it in the movie is, like, Maria, they're, you know, cleaning this department store, and she's, like, fantasizing about this perfect life that, you know, she doesn't have. Right. Well, that was the fix that Kushner and Spielberg tried to wedge in, because in the original, they're not in, like, the Gimbel's department store. I think they're, like, at home or something like that. But Sondheim himself, like, is less proud of that work he talks about And he specifically points to the fact, he says, um, the play on words in Pretty Wonderful Boy drew attention to the lyric writer more than it drew attention to the character. He said, I had hoped no one would notice anything but the cleverness of it. I was wrong. And in this interview, he literally throws his other, like, like colleagues under the bus like he basically says that like he was too young and he like wanted to fix the lyrics and wanted to authenticate and make it more true to the characters and that his the other guys on the show were much more senior than him which makes sense like basically like (laughs) basically you know rue was like which of these other girls should go home tonight and like sondheim was like all of them like they suck and like they're the reason this musical is terrible but to me like this I never think of 
West Side Story as a Sondheim musical. No, Because, yeah. like, you know, I think the works that we really think of as Sondheim works are ones in which, like, he was totally in control doing the music and lyrics. Yeah. But it's also such a testament to the fact that he did have this incredibly long career and has truly had a hand in shaping American musical theater. Exactly. And I think that what he said about West Side Story specifically is emblematic of the musicals he would go on to create, which is characters that match the actual songs, that match the actual lyrics, and all of that together has a, like, a a psychological honesty where in... This is like kind of, I mean, you know more about musicals than I do, but this is kind of the cusp of when Sondheim started to make more musicals like that. Before that, it's like Rodgers and Hammerstein's, et cetera, where it's like, we're cowboys and they're Indians and we're going to sing a song about it and that, and now we're in love and that's the end. Do you know what I mean? What's your favorite musical? Okay, come back to me. What's yours? Um, Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Which is, isn't it technically an opera? I guess no, it's a musical. It's a musical. Op- a musical opera? It's a music. No, it's a musical. Okay. Because there's d- dialogue. Right. An opera is has no dialogue. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Wow. Phantom of the Opera is your all time all time fave. It is to me everything musical theater should be. It is a spectacle. It's bombastic. It's ridiculous. It's overwrought. It's like I'm laughing, shitting, crying, throwing <laughs> up. Um. I I saw it um, when we were in New York actually shooting um, our cover art for this podcast. Um, I saw it the, the night after it had reopened on Broadway. Mm. And uh, my friend and I were in the rear mezzanine and still, like, got the full experience. Like, it's one of those shows where there's not a bad seat in the house because of how big of a production it is. Right. And it is... My favorite musical, yeah. I And I'm not really, like, an Andrew Lloyd Webber girl. Like, I don't like Cats. I don't like Joseph. Um, I don't like, like, Starlight Express. Does he do Jesus Christ Superstar? Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like if I watched Jesus Christ Superstar today, I would really like it. But I don't think I've actually ever seen it in full. If I were to think about my favorite musical that I've ever watched. I know that the way you framed the question is stage musical, but my answer is Moulin Rouge <laughs> because it is a musical. a musical. I do not acknowledge and the it's, stage. And it's now a stage show. I actually, I, I saw I saw it and and I you, liked it. You shut the fuck up right now. I had a good time. <laughs> you you sit back you know, down. I can I can really appreciate We are losing credibility no, fast. I, no, listen, I I can really appreciate more like serious esoteric musical theater, mm. but I really like a big Broadway musical spectacle. Like yeah, you yeah. know, I don't like I don't love the format of the jukebox musical necessarily, but I had fun at Moulin Rouge. And, like, if I'm having fun, then a musical yeah. is doing its job. And it's not like I paid to see it. So. Yeah, right, right, right. Would never pay to see it. I actually, I should see the share show because maybe that would Oh, be I heard it was horrible. I heard it was amazing. No, no, no. I heard it was, like, the worst thing ever. No, no, no. I, I could never. I could never acknowledge that to be true. Well, it, <laughs> I, is, it is apparently true. I used to see a lot of theater, you know, when I was too. a freshman in college. Um... When I was a freshman in college, I saw The Wedding Singer, the musical, Mm. eight times. 
I didn't even like, know it was like a musical. In like one semester. It was, it was a musical. musical. Um, it was a musical. My friend uh my my friend from college and I like became really obsessed with it and we would go do the lottery like a couple times a week yeah um which was like such a great thing about like you know being like living in New York when I was you know after being a musical theater kid in high school and moving to New York and then like having access to see all this theater that I'd only ever been able to see on like school trips or like coming in you know when I was a kid um, but yeah, we were obsessed with the wedding singer, the musical, and went to see it eight times. And we used to wait outside the stage door after every show, and we like became friendly, or so we thought, with Amy Spanger, who is like a, a Broadway icon. And one time, she was like, "Do you want to come backstage?" And she like brought us backstage and gave us a tour, mm. which was like really cool. I was not only like a musical theater kid, but like I just loved. Broadway and and I grew up you know because I have a lot of family in New York and so we would go visit them a couple times a year and my grandparents would always bring me in to see a show and like that is where my love of theater comes from Mm. this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride!
Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. So this is the part of the podcast where we dive into our journeys as recovering theater queers. Yeah, we're, it's time. <laughs> um, okay, so when I, when you asked what is your favorite musical, the the musical that came immediately to mind was one very problematic musical we did in high school, which is Flower Drum Song. Ooh, yeah. It's a Roger. It's a Roger Rogers and Hammerstein's musical about Chinese immigrants. It unfortunately has really beautiful music, like really beautiful music. But as a whole, it's like the most there problematic is thing like, you've ever seen. There is like a graph to like the more problematic a musical is, then like the more people the, like the it, more, the more beautiful yeah. the music is. Like yeah. they are inextricably linked. Yeah, West Side Story, honestly, up there. Um, but like my, I don't know what my musical theater director was on. Well, I do. It, it was whiteness, but I was at a predominantly white high school, and we did Flower Drum Song. We did The Wiz, <laughs> our predominantly white high school. And we mm-hmm. also did a version of Annie Get Your Gun, which even the rewrites include this kind of like Native American kind of like subplot song I've also thing. been in a production of Annie Get Your Gun. I was the male lead. No! Thing. This was at, at camp when, mm. I, when I was a kid. Wait, like Jewish sleepaway camp? Mm-hmm. You went to a Jewish musical sleepaway wait, camp? Wait, did I not? Wait, did I tell you this? So I was at our friend Cheno's Christmas party at her house. Uh-huh. And there was a friend of hers there who I hadn't met before. And somehow we got around to the topic of sleepaway camp. And I was like, oh, I went to sleepaway camp. And this girl was like, I did too. And I I was like, no. yeah, mine was in Pennsylvania. And she was like, wait, mine was too. And I was like, yeah, I was in the Poconos. She was like, mine was too. And I was like, mine was called <laughs> Camp Lindenier. And she was like, I went there too. And then did you both pull out a photograph that was ripped right down the middle? <laughs> no, no, and, no. And you, and you put the photo together slowly. No, we did not. And then you both but said like, that your birthdays were October 13th and that you both loved Oreos with peanut butter. October 11th, October Phoebe. 11th. Producer Phoebe in with the live fact check. Thank you. Um, but I, that, it was so crazy. And, you know, I, I think maybe, like, had she known my dead name, maybe she would have, like, remembered me. Ooh. Because I was, I will say, kind of popular. Because I, like, at the time, if you were a boy in theater, like, you had, right. the world was your oyster, That honey. is, well, not for me, but it was true you know, for many you got people. The lead, you got the lead in every show. You had your pick of all the girls. <laughs> I, um, I was, uh, that summer, I was the lead in both of the musicals, had a girlfriend, and hooked up with a boy for the first time uh, on the same summer. Really? Mm-hmm. I did meet my first Oh, boy. and smoked weed for the first time. Oh, no way. Yeah. 
first of all, I met my first boyfriend in theater during our production of Annie Get Your Gun. Second of all, I was... Tranny Get Your Gun. (laughs) That used to be my Instagram handle. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. It would now get flagged by Instagram. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Ooh, man. The good old days. You know, they they, say the T-slur on Instagram. They won't won't go after people for actually, like, harassing trans people, but, like, you know, if you... If you are trans and you want to use the T-slur, yeah, You want to reclaim it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... It's over. Cut the stage lights, dead ass. Oh, I was uh, one of our tech chairs. We had a very robust, well, de- you know, department of people. You know, when you don't theater. get cast, you become a stage manager. That's, That's what happens. Or, you know what's funny is like, it's, or like you lead the prop crew. This is very emblematic of who I am. I actually, it's not that I was never cast. It's that like I never auditioned because I was too scared. So when I did mm. finally audition, I did like get some roles. But I remember being in a stage production of The Hobbit. And have I told you about this before? No. This is a very formative, like, experience of, like, my Who job. were you? This is, well, this is Francisco. <laughs> she rests in peace. Um, in a production of The Hobbit. Who um, were you? I, okay. In The Hobbit. Who were you? Just say the character you, name. Why won't you let me set up the story? It's part of the story. So, in The Hobbit... There are not a ton of parts to pick from. You have wizards that are extreme. One wizard, one wizard that's extremely tall. And then you have dwarves and goblins that are have to be way shorter than the wizards. I was a tall girl, but the director of the play cast his son as Gandalf, which is fucking stupid. Nepotism. So there is no role left for me except to be the only male, quote unquote, elf. Which is, there is like basically a, a chorus of elves in the Hobbit stage play that don't really have lines, but they sing. And all of them are supposed to be women, but... Even though there's no women in the Hobbit. Yeah, there are no women in the Hobbit, but that's how they wedged women into like the show. Not and one so, single, there's only one named female character in the Hobbit, and it's Bilbo's mother. Right, right, exactly. Who's and, dead. <laughs> who is dead. And so Mr. O'Reilly, our musical person, was like, oh, I really want to cast Francisco, but like all I can do is make him this faggy elf. And so I had to wear all the costumes that these girl elves wore, and I loved it, obviously, because Duh. I was wearing like a leaf skirt and a long wig, okay, I had bundles. I had these little, like, these, like, elf ears, okay? I was, like, living. And my parents, upon seeing the musical for the first time, had a side-by-side talk with Mr. O'Reilly about how it was inappropriate to cast me as such a feminine role. Well, they were right. I love that I, like, set up that story being like, and this is a traumatic part of, like, my gender experience. And you're like, and they, they were, were right. <laughs> you know, I was also in a musical that was a an adaptation of a beloved children's novel. And that was? Um, when I was in middle school, we did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I was uh, the professor who is supposed to be double cast and also be Aslan, but that's not what happened in our musical, oh, and I only up. got to be the professor. But the professor does have a great song called Doors and Windows. Oh. And it's like the first solo at the beginning of the show. And so I got to sing out Louise. Oh. Do you get that reference? Sing out Louise? Yeah. No, what is from that? From Gypsy. Oh. Oh. Well, no, I would not. Oh. That's yeah. Are you like, you're not, so you're not familiar with like the musicals. I'm familiar like, with the musicals. The, that, can, the canon. I'm familiar I'm with. I'm talking Gypsy. Phantom, the classics. So our high school did 12 shows a year. 
And two of those were musicals every That's year. That's a lot. Yes. It was in, we had an insane theater calendar. Our, our school was not an art school, but it was very invested in the arts and we got an okay budget to do stuff. And so I have a pretty robust knowledge of the musicals that we did, of which there were many, but no, it's not, we didn't do the canon, like the breadth of the canon. All I we see. had was, as I said, The Whiz and Flower Jumps I see. I went to a theater high school and mm. we did two main stages a year. We did a straight play and a musical mm. and it was a very big deal to get, to even be cast in them, let alone to get a lead. Wow. I did have a lead my senior year. Oh, that was the Annie was your last? No. Oh, that was theater camp. Yeah. Right. Um, no, when I was a sophomore, I was in the ensemble of Dames at Sea, which is a sort of like Anything Goes-esque tap musical. Mm. That's where I learned to tap dance. And then when I was a senior in high school, I was cast as Talthibius in The Trojan Women by Euripides, which is like going to a high school auditorium to watch a Greek tragedy is like not something that should happen. Mm. And we took it so seriously at the time and thought we were doing, like, amazing work. Wow. Um, and I wore a toga and didn't have any shoes. <laughs> and I had a cape. And there were some of the other leads. We all had capes. And we used to backstage would just, like, run around the hallways with our capes I didn't, flying behind us. I didn't have shoes during The Hobbit. Or also our production of Metamorphoses either. Uh, like Ovid's Metamorphosis or, or no, the, Kafka the, the, Metamorphosis? No, the Zimmerman one. Oh, Mary Zimmerman's yeah, Metamorphosis? Yeah, we did Mary. Did, oh my yeah, god, yeah, yeah. that's like one of my favorite plays. Me too. It definitely easily That was my one of plays. my college auditions was from Metamorphosis. Which monologue? The the one of the guy in the pool. Oh uh, my god, that's the most beautiful scene. We put a pool on the stage. Wow, Sorry. I still have my copy of Mary Zimmerman's Metamorphosis from high school. We are so linked, girl. It's, it's a really it's beautiful It's really show. crazy. So... I only, I never got a lead, really. However, my last year, I did finally, like, buck up the courage to audition. And I was also in a tap musical, Rose. More links between us. I was in Crazy for You. Sisterhooding. And um, I was this close. The virgins can't see it, but I'm holding my fingers very close together. This close to being cast as Could the lead. Closer. But I I'm, I don't have a ton of hand-eye coordination. So I couldn't pull off the tap numbers required of the lead in that musical. However... My theater director, this is the same one who cast his son as um, Gandalf, pulled me aside after I auditioned. And he was like, I just want you to know that, like, it was so close. That is such bullshit. I was so I mad. I hate that shit. I was and so mad. No one who was not a theater kid will ever understand that uh, feeling. Disgusting. Of, of not getting cast and then some teacher giving you just some gonna, bullshit. I like, just want you to oh, know. Oh, it was almost you. Or, like, making you the understudy where you're like... Babe, so we're mad. doing six shows. I'm never going on unless I break this kid's leg. Yeah. Which, which I you was, know, well, the funny thing I would have done. What's really funny is the guy that they did cast, who was a, an amazing tap dancer, so it makes sense, was a part of this really, really toxic gay love quadrangle in my high school between four gay men and myself. And we had all like been involved with each other in some capacity. And it was like so dramatic and horrible. But I think the day that I came out to my parents, I was trying to like high key run away from home. And I had packed a bag and I was going to go live in his mom's basement. Wow. <laughs> well, no surprise that a discussion about West Side Story <laughs> Turned back around into talking about gay interpersonal drama. And our childhood trauma. And our childhood trauma. 
we will be back next week with a extra special discussion on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Something you are much more privy to. Something our guest, Joel Kim Booster, is much more privy to. Something that I am learning about. Yes, we will be talking about superheroes, supervillains, and... Gwyneth Paltrow, probably. Yes. So for all of those that are MCU curious, we're going to dive right in. Um, if you, you if you want to watch some MCU movies ahead of next week, mm. I will give you a list of some of my favorites. The selects, I okay. suppose. Okay. Of the Avengers, the original one. The first Captain America and Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. I think one of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies... I think should be in a digest. Yeah, No Way Home. Maybe um, all of WandaVision. Wanda, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you should watch WandaVision. Just watch all of WandaVision before next week. Thanks. Basically, what we're saying is go to Disney Plus and go to the Marvel section and watch everything. Just pick the ones that look like the gayest. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just use, just use your gut instinct and you'll probably be right. So, for those of you that don't know, we take calls here at Like a Virgin. You can call to confess the thing that popped your cultural cherry. Just make a suggestion on what we should talk about at 323-PENANCE. That's 323-736-2623. You can tweet us your takes on this week's episode. Let us know what you think of West Side Story, what you think of musical culture in general. What What's sp- your favorite musical? Yes. Or, or if you want to share some of your own embarrassing yeah. high school theater kid stories yeah. or photos yeah. or video, Te- we would love to see them. Yeah, get 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 on get online and tell us uh, which marginalized groups did your high school productions culturally appropriate. <laughs> um, we all want to know. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which you can do as well. It helps us a lot. Um, even if it's a little sassy, just give us five stars. I'm your co-host, Fran Torado. You can find me at Fran Squishco wherever you want on social media. I'm Rose Domu. You can find me at Rose Domu on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. It is the best thing to help our podcast. This is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Cranetrich, and Nikki Etor. Until next time, see you later, versions. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. 
thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.